0: Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number one of Revelation chapter five and we're going to be reading verse one of Revelation five. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And now we're progressing in our study of uh, this book of the Bible and the last book of the Bible before God would complete his divine revelation and the Apostle John is continuing to be shown a vision from God as God is uh, giving him insight into the kingdom of heaven and so John Sees in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And who is seated on the throne? But God himself. Eternal God. And again, in the Bible, to be seated or to sit upon the throne would of course point to ruling. God is ruling over all. And as he, um, sits upon his glorious throne of heaven, John is given a glimpse to see this picture, and he sees in the right hand of God, the right hand of him that sits upon that throne, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now let's first think about the right hand of God, the right hand of the one sitting upon the throne. As, as we have learned a long time ago, everything in the Bible is important. There are no filler statements. There are no throwaway remarks. God does not just speak words to fill space. Everything that he communicates to us in his word, the Bible is extremely important and valuable and is uh, given to us. It's, it's designed to teach us about the person of God and his gospel about his, um, his word. And, and here, uh, we, we want to take a look at the right hand. Now we, we find um a verse in mark that helps us in the gospel of mark chapter 16 in verse 19 where it says so then after the lord had spoken unto them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of god now this is a very um actually common statement in the bible we we find it made several times, numerous times, that Jesus is found at God's right hand. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And, and you can find this kind of verse in, in several books of the Bible. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Now we, we also read in the Psalms, in Psalm 17, this statement in verse 7, show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Now that's that's saying something slightly different. God saves by his right hand. And when we we look at all the many references to the right hand of God, the, the location where Christ ascends to, and that God saves by his right hand, we can only conclude that the right hand of God is a place. It is language that describes Jesus himself. And he, he is the savior. He is the one that brings salvation to those that he chooses to save. And, and God saves by his right hand uh, as the right hand is a figure of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in our verse, in uh, Revelation 5, in verse 1, I'll read again. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. So he doesn't see Jesus, um, uh, it, at the right hand of God. That, that statement isn't made. But rather a book is in the right hand of God, in the right hand of the one seated on the, on the throne. Well, of course, this makes us interested in that book. We, we want to learn, well, what is the significance of the book that, that is in the hand of God? Does God read? What, why does he have a book in his hand? Well, we we can only discover the answer um, the same way we discover any truth in the Bible by first um, going to God and asking him for help and guidance and then following the methodology that God has established for coming to truth. And that is by searching the Bible, comparing scripture with scripture and, and seeing what else the Bible has to say about a book. And the Greek word that is translated as book in Revelation 5.1 is biblion. Biblion. Now, uh, there's a, a couple of different Greek words that, that are, um, close to one another in, in, uh, the concordance. The biblios. And then there is biblion, and this is the Greek word biblion that, uh, is used here. And, and so let's see how this particular word is, is used. It's Strong's number 975 in a few places in the New Testament. And let's start with Luke chapter 4 and verse 17. Which says, and it came to pass, oh well, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 5, in Luke 4, uh, verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And th- this this book or scroll that is given to the Lord Jesus Christ in the synagogue uh, that he opens and he finds in the book of Isaiah where um, these scriptures are written, and then he begins to read them. Now, that means that the, the word book, found twice in verse 17, it is referring to a portion of the Bible, as Isaiah is a book of the Bible, and Biblion is is uh, therefore describing a book of the Bible. In John chapter 20, it says in verse 30, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, Biblion. Christ did many things uh, that are not recorded in John's gospel or in the fourth gospel or in the Bible. That uh, Not everything that Jesus did in his lifetime and, or during his period of ministry is recorded in the Bible. God selected the uh, the information that he wanted us to know. And based upon this verse, we would have to say... That he left some things out. Now, I say some, but, but, um, um, the, the, the Bible tells us in, in another place that if, if everything was written, um, let's see, over in John 21, it, it says in verse 25, the last verse of, of the Gospel of John, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Now, that is an incredible statement, but a true statement that if everything that Christ has done, and remember, he is eternal God, and if if God were so pleased, he could go into such detail, into such depths of knowledge concerning, well, probably uh, uh, any one topic or, or a few topics that it would take just enormous volumes of writings to write it all down. But God... In His wisdom, determined to give us a book that was um, somewhat um, we we could somewhat contain in size, it's a book that can fit in our hands. The Bible, which is made up of 66 individual books that God moved certain men of old to record and write, and so that we have this one book. The, the whole of the scripture, the Bible, from Genesis through Revelation. And, and, you know, we know from studying this book that you can take a verse and you can speak about a verse depending on uh, God's good pleasure and how much he wants to open up to our understanding for hours. You, actually sometimes a verse may open up a doctrine That, that is just, uh, full of, uh, information and, and that doctrine leads you to, to, uh, hours upon hours upon hours of study. And men have written about the teachings of the Bible, about a verse here and a verse there. Uh, They, they have written commentaries and theological writings. And preachers have preached upon the scriptures literally for, uh, thousands of years and, and libraries are full of the books that men have written, uh, that uh, they have just basically touched upon certain teachings of the Word of God. And it's only really in our day, in, in these last days, in the time of the end, that God opened the scriptures. Can you imagine if they had been open through from the very beginning? Uh, how much more men would have been able to write? And and yet, even with their limitations, they they wrote a great many things. Of course, the problem with man's writing is that it's faulty and and error prone. And there are many things written that are untrue. But but God, when He writes, is perfectly true. And, and according to His word, if everything should be written, the world itself could not contain the books uh, that, that would be written. And it, it just uh, really, um, encourages us. If anyone thinks, Oh, I've studied the Bible and I'm getting a little tired of it. Well, one thing. Uh, You you need to go study the Bible again because there is no end of of the riches of the treasures of the word of God in this life. We 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 really probably are not studying very, very diligently at all. If we think we've studied it all, maybe we've just no, maybe would definitely we've just scratched the surface. And, and, uh, casually, uh, study the Bible. Just, just pick any, any place in the scripture, any book you want, and begin slowly and carefully and, and very deliberately to look at each verse and look up each word and see where it leads you, and you'll, you'll soon find that uh, that one book of the Bible can occupy months and even years of your time, if you are doing it um, in in a in a very careful way, and and after you've done that, maybe for a couple of years with one book, you'll look back and and discover, oh, now when I read that again. Hey, there's something else I didn't see before, something else that, that, uh, I didn't realize, something else I've learned. And, and that's how the, the Bible is. And, uh, of course, when we get into eternity future, we'll have the Lord Jesus Christ in, uh, in person, in his, uh, his, um, eternal, glorious bodily form and we'll, We ourselves will be equipped with new resurrected body and souls and and there will be no um, uh, filter problems such as our sin causes in this life. So we will be perfect students sitting under the perfect teacher and we will certainly be interested in every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And it will be, uh, nourishing us and spiritually feeding us forevermore. If you think it's wonderful, and the child of God does think this, to, to learn a single truth or two in a Bible study or to be reminded even of a, a truth that, that we had learned previously and we're thankful and, uh, and it's always a joy to the believer to learn a, a scripture verse that he had difficulty with before and and those are joys that God has given us in this world well can you imagine when Jesus himself in of course Christ teaches now as he directs us uh, through his spirit and and following his methodology when we do compare scripture with scripture, the Holy Ghost teaches, but it's a relatively slow process, again due to our uh, limitations, both bodily and 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 so forth. And those limitations will be removed in eternity future, and we can just go directly to Christ and hear His expounding of his word of himself and everything we hear we can we can trust implicitly we can trust wholeheartedly we know it is truth and and so we will learn at a rapid rate and and it will be just a eternity future one of the things besides the task that god will give us whatever that is and besides worshiping him and and praising him and and doing his will forevermore. One of the things that will make eternity future so glorious is the fountain of knowledge that will never cease to flow forth from the throne of God, from the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that will be everlasting drink and everlasting bread to the people of God so that we will just grow uh, incredibly in the knowledge of God and 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 so we we have uh, something uh, extraordinarily great to look forward to as we we think of the uh, the uh, eternal future that awaits each true believer Well, we also find in Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation 1, verse 1, the word Biblion, it says there, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And then a, a little further along, in this same chapter, we, we find this statement uh, in verse 10 of Revelation 1. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches. And then it continues naming the churches. So God told John what you see right in a biblion. Again, in uh, Isaiah was written in a biblion. The fourth gospel, which we call John, was written in a biblion. In Hebrews chapter 10, we, we find, um, this, uh, this all-encompassing statement in verse seven. Then said I, Lo, I come. And this is a quote from Psalm 40. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And, of course, this is Jesus who is speaking. Uh, he comes, and in the volume of the book, in the whole of the Bible, the Bible is Ultimately, that book, the book that God warns against adding to or subtracting from in Revelation 22. If you add unto the words of this book, this Biblion, you, you will have the plagues written herein added to you. And uh, so the, the, as we look up this word repeatedly, it points us back to the Bible to the word of God. And uh, so let let's go back to Revelation five and again in verse one and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book or a Biblion, the Bible, written within, and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. Now remember we saw that Jesus is identified with the position of the right hand of God, but it's not said to be Jesus, but the book, uh, the, the, the word of God, the Bible, which is in the right hand of God. And, and, uh, obviously we can see the connection since Jesus is the word made flesh. He is. Um, the one that is written about in the book, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. And, and so basically, uh, in, in all, um, in essence, the, the book, the Bible is completely identified with Christ or Christ is completely identified with the Bible. And so as Jesus is at the right hand of God, so, in the right hand of God, is a book. It is that book, this holy book, this divine uh, revelation of God, this wonderful, beautiful, glorious writing that came forth from the mouth of God that He has granted mankind, that He has revealed to His people. But why does it say that the book is written within and on the back side? Now, most books, uh, well, uh, uh, all books are written within. If you, you uh, obtain a book, it, it's normally closed, especially today. In, in ancient times, uh, the writings would be written on a scroll that would be rolled up. And, and when it's rolled up, it's closed, and you have to unravel it, unroll it, and then you can read it, as you, you hold either end of the scroll. And today, we, we have hardback and paperback books, and, and they have, these are the covers that the, the book is bound in, and you have to, you have to open the book, and, and inside the book, within, the book you find the writing, and the subject matter, and it, it it it's also true today that on the outside you can find some writing, that gives you a few details about the nature of that book, but but for the most part, um, in just about all cases, the 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 writing is within. And, and so here, with this book in the hand of God, the book that can only, it can't be any other book, God's not interested in any other book, what other book would God have in His right hand, seated upon His throne of heaven? Does He, does He have a geometry book, a math book, a science book? No. There's only one book God is interested in, and that's the book of God, the Bible. And that book is written within and on the back side. It's it it's in other words, um, it has writing within and without. It 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 has some writing on both sides of the scroll. If it if it were speaking of a scroll, so that you could read some things on the outside and some things are in the inside. And why is that? Why does God refer to his book, the Bible, that way? Well, I think we can understand it when we realize that the the Bible, the word of God, is said to be a two-edged sword in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12. For the word of God is quick, that is, alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even. To the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and you know, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is two-edged; it cuts two ways. It it uh, it is able by God's word to save, and and God accomplished His salvation of sinners in the day of salvation, and it's able by uh, according to God's will to judge and the bible has been judging mankind since the very beginning in the garden of eden when man uh rebelled and transgressed the law of god or the word of god the bible and 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 so the bible is uh is a two-edged sword to those that hear it it is the savor of life unto life to god's elect and of death unto death to those that are not his elect, to the unsaved people of the earth. And, and this writing on both sides reminds us of that. Uh, there There's something similar. It's not exactly the same. In the book of Zechariah, in chapter 5, where we we read about a flying roll. Now, the flying roll would be a figure of the word of God, the Bible. And then in verse 2 of Zechariah 5 it says and he said unto me what seest thou and i answered i see a flying roll the length thereof is 20 cubits and the breadth thereof 10 cubits then said he unto me this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth for every one that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it and every one that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side According to it, and and again, notice this side and that side, and those that are um, guilty of sin, guilty of breaking the law of God, are cut off by this flying roll on either side, the the two edges of the word of God of the Bible. Well, um. We're 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 going to end our Bible study here, Lord willing. In our next study, we're going to look at the seals, as this book in the hand of God is sealed with seven seals, and and, and then uh, this will lead us into really the rest of chapter five and the following chapters as those seals are removed, and we wonder as we read. Uh, Revelation 5, why does God make such a big deal about uh, um, the Lord Jesus taking off the seals from the Bible? Why was it necessary for Christ to be victorious before he could be the one to remove the seals? And only he can take off the seals.